This is Jim Mosley, your host on the Bible History Guy radio broadcast, sponsored by Winterwood Creative. We're dedicated to turning doubt into Christian faith through facts. So if you have questions about God or the Bible that you would like answered, you can reach me through our website, www.thebiblehistoryguy.com. Or you can email me directly at jim at thebiblehistoryguy.com. That's jim at thebiblehistoryguy.com. Today's broadcast comes from my latest book, The Biographies of Jesus' Apostles. Most readers of the Bible have only a vague notion of who Jesus' apostles were, how they were related to each other, and what exactly they did. This book takes readers alongside the apostles, reveals the world through their eyes, and accurately retraces every known step of their lives. Life of Peter, Part 3 There were only seven disciples present at the Lakeshore Breakfast in Galilee in Jesus' third post-resurrection appearance. After that, all eleven met in Galilee, reclining at a table with Jesus, probably as usual, in the house of Peter and Andrew. At this meal, Jesus rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they hadn't at first believed those who saw him after he had risen. Then he gave them the Great Commission. He said, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. The eleven also went with Jesus to a mountain in Galilee, possibly Mount Eremos, where Jesus had delivered the Sermon on the Mount. There they worshipped him. But believe it or not, at that point, some still doubted. And he said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Well, Peter was present at Christ's ascension from Bethany on the Mount of Olives near Jerusalem on Sunday, May 13th, A.D. 33. He, with the other ten apostles, heard the angel then say that Jesus would return in the same way that he ascended. Then Peter assumed leadership of the eleven in the upper room, where they were praying with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with Jesus' half-brothers, which probably included at least James and Jude. After Jesus' ascension, and before Pentecost, that is between May 13th and May 21st of AD 33, Peter proposed the selection of someone to replace Judas Iscariot. Guided by the Holy Spirit, the apostles chose Matthias. On Sunday, May 22nd, AD 33, the day of Pentecost, a noise like a rushing wind filled the house where the apostles were gathered. Tongues of fire appeared above their heads, and they began speaking in all the tongues of Africa and the Middle East. Visitors from those countries were astonished to hear Galileans speaking their languages. Some mocked them, thinking they were drunk. Peter rose and rebuked the joke. Far from drunk, they were fulfilling prophecy. In a powerful sermon, Peter showed from Scripture how Jesus, whom the Jews had crucified, was Lord and Christ. Cut to the quick, the congregation, who were all Jews, asked what they should do. Peter told them to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ 
for the forgiveness of their sins, so that they might receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. On that day, 3,000 people became followers of Jesus. That was the Sunday on which the church was born. When these pilgrims returned to their homes, they brought their faith with them. So, churches were planted all around the empire and in Rome, long before the apostles' missionary journeys. The church witnessed the apostles perform many signs and wonders, becoming a community of believers, with others daily added to their numbers. The church grew at an astonishing rate. The assembly in the upper room, after the ascension, was probably about 20 people. The assembly, when choosing Matthias to replace Judas Iscariot, was about 120 people, up 600%. The assembly at Pentecost was about 3,000 people, up 2,500%. One day at about 3 p.m., Peter and John were going to the temple for the afternoon prayer when they saw a lame man from birth being carried to the beautiful gate where he could beg for alms. He asked Peter and John for money. Peter fixed his gaze on him and said, Look at me. I don't possess silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, walk. The lame man leapt up and entered the temple, praising God. All the people were amazed, and Peter took the opportunity to preach a second sermon about Jesus. About 5,000 believed. The priests, the captain of the temple guard, And the Sadducees arrested Peter and John for their public heresy and kept them in jail overnight. The next day, Ananias, the defrocked ex-high priest, Caiaphas, the current high priest who was the son-in-law of Ananias, and all the Jewish elders placed Peter and John on trial. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, spoke boldly before Ananias and Caiaphas. He asked if he and John were on trial for healing a sick man. He told them that Jesus, whom they had crucified, God had raised from the dead, and that there is no other name under heaven that has been given to men by which we must be saved. The council was amazed that these uneducated men could reason so powerfully from the scriptures. Now, by uneducated, they did not mean that Peter and John could not read or write. Obviously, they could and did. They meant that they had not completed formal religious training. They were not rabbis like John the Baptist, son of a Levite, Jesus, and Paul. The council warned the apostles to speak no more about Jesus. But Peter replied that they would listen to God and not to men and could not keep quiet about the truth. The council threatened them further but released them because they found that the crowd was praising God for the miracle of the lame man healed. Then Peter and John went to the other apostles and told the story. They all rejoiced and prayed to the Lord to give them strength to keep witnessing and performing God's works. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke God's word with boldness. Around May 30th, in the year of the cross, AD 33, Joseph Barnabas, the Levite from Cyprus and cousin of John Mark, sold a plot of land and gave the proceeds to the church. Another couple, Ananias, not the priest, and Sapphira, his wife, imitated Joseph Barnabas, They sold a plot of land, but kept part of the proceeds for themselves. Ananias, with his wife's full knowledge, pretended to bring all the proceeds, but laid only a portion of it at the apostles' feet. Peter saw right through him. He asked Ananias why Satan had filled his heart with the desire to lie. Peter said that the land was his. No one had asked him to sell it or give any part of the money to the church. But now he had lied not to men, but to God. 
As he heard these words, Ananias breathed his last. The young men present carried him off and buried him. About three hours later, his wife, Sapphira, came to Peter and told the same lie. Peter replied, Why have you agreed together to put the spirit of the Lord to the test? The feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out as well. She too fell dead, and great fear spread over the whole church as the apostles performed many signs and wonders. People from all around Jerusalem brought the sick and the lame and demon-possessed, even laying them on cots along the street, hoping that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them. The people brought the afflicted from towns all around Jerusalem, and the apostles healed them all, as the church continued to grow, sharing everything in common. The priests and the Sadducees were very annoyed that Peter and John kept on in their defiant ministry. So around June 6, AD 33, the temple captain threw them in jail a second time. During the night, an angel came and released them, telling them to return to the temple to preach. At daybreak, Peter and John entered the temple and resumed teaching. When the council met again, they called for the prisoners, but the officers reported that, <laughs> although the prison was still securely locked, they were gone. Someone came and reported where Peter and John were, in the temple. The authorities dragged the apostles back before the council, but gingerly, as the crowd seemed like it might stone the arresting officers. The council reminded Peter and John that they were not to teach in Jesus' name. But the apostles boldly answered that they must obey God and not men. Then they testified that Jesus is the Savior. The council wanted to put Peter and John to death, but Gamaliel, Paul's mentor, advised letting them alone. If this plan or action is of men, he said, it will be overthrown. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them, or else you may even find yourselves fighting against God. So the council flogged the apostles, warned them once more to stop preaching Jesus, and released them. Peter and John rejoiced that they had been found worthy of suffering for Jesus, and they continued to preach. After this, Stephen was stoned, and Saul, Paul, began persecuting the church. Possibly in his rampage, Saul persecuted Peter and the other apostles personally, Certainly he persecuted people whom Peter knew and loved. There would be quite a tear to mend between these two men, yet they became close fellow workers in Christ. Between December of AD 33 and March of AD 34, Saul, or that's Paul, was ferociously persecuting Christians in Jerusalem, and this may have prompted Philip to go to Samaria and convert the Samaritans. Paul's persecution probably did not drive Philip or Peter or John out of Jerusalem because the Bible says that Saul's persecution caused all except the apostles to scatter. It also says that those who had been scattered preached the gospel wherever they went. Therefore, Paul did not frighten the apostles away. Their evangelistic work in Samaria, on the Gaza Road, and in Antioch was simply obedience to Jesus' statement that the disciples would be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, Acts 1.8. All of this evangelistic outreach, right after the stoning of Stephen, must have seemed like an epidemic of Christianity to Paul. Like a general seeking to outflank his enemy, he applied for a priestly commission to head the Christian heretics off at Damascus, north of Samaria. 
Paul, of course, met with an utterly unexpected result, becoming a convert to Christ on the Damascus Road. Meanwhile, Philip reached the city of Samaria, today's Sebastia, and proclaimed Christ. Between January 1st and 15th, AD 34, he preached, healed the lame, and cast out unclean spirits. Many believed in Jesus and were baptized, including a sorcerer named Simon Magus, who followed Philip's miracles with amazement. The other apostles in Jerusalem heard that Hassel Samaria, of all places, had received the word of God. They sent Peter and John to investigate. Now, John and Peter laid hands on the Samaritans, and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon Magus saw the gift of the Holy Spirit, he offered the apostles money to give him this power. Peter rebuked him, saying, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Simon Magus answered, Pray for me to the Lord, that nothing of what you say may come upon me. Simon Magus seemed to be a seeker, but inwardly he was not right with God. Irenaeus, an early church father, recorded that the apostles cast him out and that he went to Rome, where he became a famous magician. The emperor Claudius honored him with a statue erected on the island of the river Tiber. Peter followed him to Rome and overthrew his scam mission. This is Jim, the Bible history guy, and you've been listening to material from my latest book, The Biographies of Jesus' Apostles, Ambassadors in Chains. Imprisoned in Nero's Rome, Paul wrote, I am an ambassador in chains. Well, apostle means ambassador. And these long-suffering ambassadors of Christ bore the gospel over tens of thousands of miles from Jerusalem to Africa, Europe, and Asia. They planted churches, had heavenly encounters, worked miracles, wrote all-time bestsellers, were shipwrecked, flogged, imprisoned, and martyred. And yet, they broke the chains and turned empires and kingdoms upside down. This book takes you on a journey of discovery back to the first century, experiencing how, against all odds, these embattled and triumphant ambassadors in chains so perfectly fulfilled Jesus' great commission. You can find the biographies of Jesus' apostles online wherever books are sold or on my website, www.thebiblehistoryguide.com. You've been listening to the Bible History Guy radio broadcast sponsored by Winterwood Creative. You can reach me, Jim Mosley, directly through my email, jim at thebiblehistoryguy.com. That's jim at thebiblehistoryguy.com. Mm-hmm.